Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 50 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have a right royal triumph of a show lined up for you today. It is our 50th edition of this Hypnosis Weekly podcast and I have a very special edition indeed lined up for you today because yes today I welcome a lot of hypnosis world royalty onto the show. In today's show, you will hear from James Tripp, Reg Blackwood, Helen Bremner, Steve Baxter, Nick Ebden, the English sisters, Lindsay Shepard, Gary Turner, Paul Ramsey, Craig Galvin, Deborah Sims, Trevor Sylvester, Glenn Gowdy, Sean Michael Andrews, Kev Sheldrake, Barry Thane, Dan Jones, Lucy Hyde, Jürgen Rasmussen, as well as my good self. So I hope that's got your juices flowing. I wanted to do something different for the 50th edition of the show, something a bit special. And so I got in touch with my guests from previous shows and asked them if they'd be so kind as to record and send in to me their favourite hypnosis quote. I gave them all an example of my own and left them all to submit whatever they wanted. Some of them got all maverick, as you'd expect with hypnosis professionals, and sent in quotes that were not made by hypnosis professionals, but by important figures that have influenced their hypnosis work and approach. Others have shared wisdom directly from hypnosis professionals, authors, researchers, famed hypnotherapists, and many others beside. So in a short while, I'll be sharing with you those favourite quotes from our star-studded lineup, along with explanations and thoughts about the quotes from those guests. We'll pause for air every now and then, we'll reflect, but we'll have none of our usual regular features this week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people with whom I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, weekly I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the Hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. With this being a special edition, I thought I'd echo a request I made on my social media channels recently too. Could you listeners to this podcast do me a simple favour? Can you take two minutes out and write a review of this podcast on iTunes? Just go into iTunes and you'll be able to do so there. An honest review and rating from as many of our listeners as possible will not just help us to reach more people with the podcast, it'll help us develop what we offer here too. Thanks to everyone who has taken the time to review it, and given the great ratings so far, I really appreciate it. We're going to get the ball rolling then with our quotes, with Jürgen Rasmussen and his quote. I think it rightly apt that Jürgen start things off, as he was the first ever guest on this podcast, and has featured again in a special edition since. He continues to be a great friend of the show. We start with Jürgen, and that'll lead into a bunch of others too. Get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this first batch of quotes. This is uh, Jürgen Rasmussen here at uh, Hypnosis Weekly. My favorite way of defining hypnosis or, or a quote, a way of thinking about it, is really... A process where 
one person guides the automatic imagination of another person, and where the so-called subject forgets that he's thinking. I think that's pretty much what this is about. And one big reason why I really like to think of it that way is that throughout the years I've, I've come to the current conclusion that most of our, what you could call psychological suffering, is, as the Buddha said 2,500 years ago, he was essentially right, that we're thinking without knowing that we're thinking. It's, it's this inability to notice thoughts as thoughts as they occur. And, of course, we all fail in that regard to, to a large extent. But when we do, we have a tendency to, A, take the thinking personally and, and get to believe that we are the thoughts that appear in consciousness moment by moment. And we have a tendency to forget that it's our made-up meaning and thinking that we're experiencing moment by moment. And, and therefore, it seems as if what we think is reality. And it also very easily seems as if we're directly feeling the events of life, the, the happenings of life, and that our feelings directly come from some outside events. Uh, this psychological illusion seems to more or less be at play uh, when we suffer uh, psychologically. Now, when you do hypnosis, one person is essentially guiding another person to imagine various things, but the language and the way of using suggestions is used in such a way that it implies that things are just happening. So it's it's essentially as as Jay Haley used to say, you're uh, directing the person to behave spontaneously. You're essentially asking the person to automatically imagine something, but then kind of temporarily forget that he's actually doing it giving rise to the illusion that that the responses are the direct results of something that the so-called hypnotist is saying. Now, this to me implies that hypnosis and hypnotic phenomena and, and, and hypnotic processes are really the gateway to, to playing with that thinking without knowing that you're thinking variable. To, to help people make discoveries, to help people kind of see through the psychological illusion. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you one quick story before I wrap this up of how useful that line of thinking can be. I had a client a few years ago who came in, and I had worked with uh, her daughter and her son uh, successfully. I had great rapport with this particular woman. She came in for the second session, social anxiety issues. And she said, you know what? Some of these feelings are just so very strong that there has to be something to it. There has to be some reality or some truth to it. And she was very suggestible, and, and I had great rapport with her. So, so I said, are, are you ready for a little experiment? And she said, yes. And I essentially started using very, very vague, suggestive language, suggesting that I was, in fact, a serial killer who just hadn't been caught and use some pretty good descriptions of stuff and and she ended up actually hallucinating me as a serial killer and, and having the felt experience of being locked in a room with a serial killer and she got up from her chair and she was a, about to run out of the room uh before i said stop like really strongly and i said you'll just have to take my word i'm not actually a serial killer it was just the wildest thing I could come up with. And she told me that your face actually changed. Your, 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 it changed the shape. Your, your eyes got really evil. So she had this full-blown visual hallucination. And it was then very easy for me to point out that if, if, you, can, if you can imagine that, 
and make it so real, how could the fact that you feel something strongly necessarily mean that there's some sort of fear? The next day, I had a client with OCD symptoms who, who, who had horrible thoughts about symmetry and all sorts of uh, compulsive thinking. And, and she, she said to me, uh, yeah, again, the thoughts are just so very negative. And so I said, are you ready for a little experiment? I did the exact same experiment with her, but she hardly responded. So I asked her, did you actually think the thoughts? She said, oh, yeah, I, I even started imagining you cutting my leg off and dumping me in the river in a suitcase. I said, would you agree that, that the thinking is even more negative than your usual negative thinking? She said, well, yeah, in principle, yes. And I said, on a scale from zero to ten, how scared were you? She said, well, maybe a one. And then I could look at her and say, you know what? You just realized something that most people who practice cognitive behavioral therapy don't seem to get. It was her background. It's like negative thinking isn't stressful. It's not anxiety producing. It doesn't create fear. You don't have to control it or change it. You can think the most negative thoughts available and have no stress. The reason you had no stress is because you didn't believe it. And suddenly the light bulb went on. So to wrap up, this whole guided thinking without knowing that you're thinking uh, framework really gets a lot of leverage whether people respond in quotations well or whether they don't seem to respond well at all. It gives you a leeway to, to help them to notice how they're really experiencing their, their thinking moment by moment. So that's fine. Hi, this is Trevor Sylvester. My favorite hypnosis quote is by Stephen Walensky from his 1991 book, Trances People Live, where he states, Most of us automatically recreate states of consciousness from the past as trance phenomena in the present. Any state that is problematic can be assumed to contain one or more trance phenomena. The task of the therapist therefore becomes one of dehypnotizing the client. There are several reasons why I love this quote. The first is that it completely flipped my understanding of the work I was doing. To see trance as a fundamental part of a client's problem was mind-blowing to me at the time. Secondly, it helped me to let go of the belief in hypnosis as a special state and any concerns about whether people could go into trance. If they can do a problem, they can do a trance. And lastly, it provided a foundation for what became cognitive hypnotherapy, the idea that nothing is true, that we're making up our problems and even ourselves, that there is no real me to find, just a me to create, and that I can choose who that is. And that we're not replacing the trance of our problem for reality, just a happier trance. When it comes to our lives, it's pretty much trances all the way down. Hi, this is Dan Jones. My favourite hypnosis quote is by Milton H. Erickson from the collected works of Milton H. Erickson, Volume 4. Hypnosis is not some mystical procedure, but rather a systematic utilisation of experiential learnings. Now, the reason I think this quote really resonates with me, why I really like this quote, is that it talks about how hypnosis isn't something mystical, which hypnosis historically has had a long tradition of being linked to mysticism. And Erickson has grown this mysticism around him as well, he, you know, almost being treated like some sort of a wizard. And yet he himself was saying, I'm not doing anything mystical, I'm not doing anything magic here. All I'm doing is communicating with this client and using systematically what they give, you know, what they offer up to me. And I'm using their own experiences and helping them experientially to learn how to go into hypnosis. So I think this quote really resonates with me about the idea that anyone can be hypnotized, but they need to be hypnotized in a way that involves them learning how to go into hypnosis. So they have to be an active participant 
in the process of hypnosis, not passively being hypnotized by an all-powerful hypnotist. So I find it just a really empowering approach, this idea that you can systematically talk with someone and utilize different aspects of what's going on in the moment, helping them stage by stage to go into hypnosis and helping them stage by stage, step by step to learn how to go into hypnosis with you, with your help and on their own in the future. Hello, I'm Barry Fain and I'm a clinical hypnotist at the MindSci Clinic. My favourite hypnosis quote is from a paper entitled The Effectiveness of Adjunctive Hypnosis with Surgical Patients, a Meta-Analysis. It's by Guy Montgomery and various colleagues and it was published in the June 2002 edition of the Journal of Anesthesia and Analgesia. And it says this. Surgical patients in hypnosis treatment groups had better outcomes than 89% of patients in control groups. Let me repeat that slowly so you can write it down. Surgical patients in hypnosis treatment groups had better outcomes than 89% of patients in control groups. I like this quote because alongside my private practice I've been working with the UK National Health Service since 2003. Back then Hypnosis was considered so left field, I had to call the group hypnotherapy sessions I held in hospitals, relaxation. So, when I was invited to give a presentation on clinical hypnotism to the postgraduate medical school, I needed something punchy to capture the attention of 200 or so sceptical doctors and consultants. Now, at the time of writing his paper, Dr. Montgomery and his chums were mostly staff on the Biobehavioural Medicine Programme for Cancer Prevention and Control in the Ruttenberg Cancer Sentiment and Department of Anesthesiology at Mount Sinai School of Medicine, New York. So this paper is a serious bit of medical research by some heavily credentialed experts. So I slapped that quote up on the overhead projector right after I told my audience who I was, and I let them look at it for a while. Then I said, If there was something that could give 89% of your patients better outcomes, you'd want to know about it, wouldn't you? That got me their attention. Afterwards, I had doctors asking me for leaflets and consultants sending me patients for everything from hyperhidrosis to the neuropsychological sequelae of a bilateral intraventricular subarachnoid hemorrhage. I see lots of noise from new hypnotherapists clamouring to be taken seriously by the medical profession. Roughly 40% of my new patients come because I'm recommended to them by doctors and consultants. And really, that all began with this quote. Surgical patients in hypnosis treatment groups had better outcomes than 89% of patients in control groups. Remember that. Surgical patients in hypnosis treatment groups had better outcomes than 89% of patients in control groups. That's my favourite hypno quote, and I'm Barry Thane. Hello, this is Kev Sheldrake, and my favourite hypnosis quote is by John F. Kilstrom in his chapter in the Oxford Handbook of Hypnosis called The Domain of Hypnosis Revisited. He stated... Mental images are deliberately consciously constructed, while hypnotic experiences are generally accompanied by an experience of involuntariness. It is this experience of involuntariness, 
not the vividness of mental images that gives hypnotic experiences their hallucinatory quality. The reason I like that quote is because it focuses the mechanism of hypnosis very finely on the sensation of involuntariness. involuntariness. <laughs> the idea being that when, you're, when the suggestion indicates that your arm should lift, that your arm actually lifts, but you feel like you've put no effort into making that happen. That in itself is at the crux of every hypnotic experience. Okay, okay, there was a lot to soak up, take in and reflect upon with those first five quotes there. So let's pause for breath for a moment. Um, there he was, Jürgen Rasmussen, re referencing the Buddha, we're thinking without knowing that we're thinking, really resonates, um, um, in fact, with, with Kev Sheldrake's notion of experiencing involuntariness in the Kilstrom chapter. Um, um, and, and that idea, you know, I, I, I incorporate that idea in my own work when educating my own clients in hypnotherapy. I recall having Kilstrom's chapter pointed out to me by Kev some years ago and uh, really helped with the way I was educating clients to imagine that hypnotic phenomena was happening all by itself, for example. And also big kudos to Kev Sheldrake there for including a giggling Muttley impression in the middle of his snippet and not editing it out. Well done, Kev. Uh, Trevor Sylvester referencing Stephen Walinsky and also making reference to the notion of dehypnotizing the client. I love that. It's a notion which really appeals to me greatly. Um, in my own work, for example, showing the client that the way they're perpetuating the issue, in fact, works in similar ways to how hypnosis works, is incredibly useful um, um, and drawing parallels. Um, and Dan Jones, Erickson quote, uh, was very enjoyable on the basis that, you know, Erickson is often portrayed with a sense of mystic superhero and hearing him talk about hypnosis, um, um, not being so um, and, and, and putting it in, in ordinary terms is lovely. Um, and, and also at the heart of that approach, making some reference to some ultra utilization being referred to there using what the client gives, uh, Dan said. And and of course, what a quote from Barry Thane, referring to Guy Montgomery and colleagues, their, their meta-analysis. You know what? I refer to that meta-analysis often. 89% better outcomes. That is an amazing stat. And, and I knew it, Barry Thane. I knew it. Yes, indeed. Barry Thane secretly loves evidence-based. He can't conceal it. So next up. I welcome back uh, Sean Michael Andrews, Glenn Gowdy, Deborah Sims, Craig Galvin and Gary Turner. Enjoy. This is world's fastest hypnotist Sean Michael Andrews and my favorite quote is by Dave Elman. In his 1963 book Hypnotherapy, first released as Findings in Hypnosis, Elman stated, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. This fascinates me because it is both true and not true. Some clients are nervous types, but if the hypnotist tells them all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, they can feel much more at ease and the hypnosis seems to go much better. Conversely, Clients need to know that the hypnotist is competent and capable of hypnotizing them. The prestige of the hypnotist makes a big difference in his ability to guide someone into trance. So in this case, hypnosis is not self-hypnosis, but rather something the hypnotist does to the client. This is world's fastest hypnotist, Sean Michael Andrews. I'm going to look to do my best Adam Eason impersonation. Well, hello and welcome to the Adam Eason podcast. <laughs> 
Hi Adam, it's Glenn Gowdy here and congratulations on your 50th episode. Um, I had the pleasure of being on your show uh, in early 2015 and it's fantastic to, to see that the uh, the show has gone on from strength to strength. And, and may you provide all your listeners with the wonderful content and informative uh, news and stories that you bring each podcast. So congratulations. I'd like to share with you a, a quote from uh, a professor of uh, psychology uh, regarding the use of imagery in hypnosis. Uh, Dr. Donald Leggett is a, a former professor of Stanford University, and he wrote a book called Sports Hypnosis, which provides a lot of sort of uh, detail for me with, when I work with my sports, uh, sports clients. And Dr. Leggett uh, states uh, the use of imagery over um, the term visualization, and he states, I prefer to use the term imagery rather than visualization because visualization implies only seeing, and seeing is just one aspect of the phenomenon of imagery. Other aspects, particularly the kinesthetic and the emotional, are as important as a visual for the effectiveness of imagery. There are a couple of reasons why I really like this quote. When working with clients and, and looking to enhance and improve their, their skill set in imagery, I like to use the whole concept of all the senses so not just visualizing successful performance, but also associating that with all the feelings that are directly linked to how how the muscles feel, how the body feels during the performance and also after the performance, uh, linking that into the and the sounds that uh, that are associated with that, whether that be the, the cheering of the, the crowd or the acknowledgement from rival competitors and also other other sensations such as as taste can be used such as the taste of victory is a powerful metaphor for a lot of athletes so adam congratulations on your 50th episode and here's to many many more hello my name is Deborah Sims, and my favourite quote is from one of my hypno heroes, um, Donald Robertson, and it can be found on page 16 in the introduction to his book, The Practice of Cognitive Behavioural Hypnotherapy. And to put it in context, Robertson is discussing a meta-analysis by Kerr et al. in 1995, which looked at 18 separate controlled studies, each comparing cognitive behavioural therapy with hypnosis, or in other words, CBH, with cognitive behavioural therapy without hypnosis, or as I now like to call it, just plain old bog standard CBT. <laughs> and these included um, 577 participants. And so the quote is simply summarising all of, all of that, really, saying that for the vast majority of clients, cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy is superior to cognitive behavioural therapy alone. And he says this is across a variety of issues. Now, I think that's just brilliant. And I love being equipped with that statement when working with my clients. And there are three reasons why it resonated with me in particular and has massively influenced my work, especially um, my work with people who suffer from tinnitus. So first and foremost, for me, it underpins my confidence in what I do and my approach to hypnotherapy. And that will, of course, hugely impact my client's confidence in me and my approach as well. It really reminds me of the incredible field we work in. Not least, I think I have, you know, I've always had this sort of healthy respect for CBT without hypnosis because of its evidence base and the way it's, it's become an accepted mainstream intervention and recommended by the NHS and just the beauty of it as an intervention that is future focused and promotes client skills and abilities as being their own solution and so on. And so when I heard this quote saying that cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy outperforms CBT across a variety of issues, well, you know, that really got my attention. And the second reason it's my favourite quote is that it inspired my preference not only for CBH, but for broader evidence based or at least evidence inspired hypnotherapy, if you like. The quote is tantalising. It encourages you to find out more about the studies that um, Roberts, Robertson is alluding to and opens up all of this fabulous stuff that really helps increase the likelihood of success. And I think as hypnotherapists, we all really need to be shouting this evidence from the rooftops. There's so much of it too, and, and it's pure gold as far as I'm concerned, and I love sharing that, you know, that stuff with my clients. And so my third and final reason for choosing the quote is because of how it's influenced my approach to working with tinnitus clients specifically, which, as some of you may know, I'm massively interested in. 
Now, unfortunately, there's been few specific controlled trials into hypnosis and tinnitus specifically, but in the absence of that um, hypnosis research, there is evidence that CBT can be the most effective treatment, especially in relation to people's stress, depression, anxiety, which are all comorbid with it. So given Robertson's quote, which alludes to many studies evidencing that CBH outperforms CBT in those areas, it's it confirmed I was on the right tracks. And so combining a CBH approach with my previous experience Experience within the subject area just became even more exciting and really for me CBH for tinnitus relief is exciting <laughs> really it is and so the quote has massively influenced my approach and indeed the results my clients are achieving from it are just really exciting as a result and so that's it really that's my favorite quote and why it resonates with me and I hope it does with you too and so all that remains for me to say is congratulations Adam on this your 50th edition I love these podcasts. They really are an incredible resource. So thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of them. And I look forward to listening to the next 50. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Hi, Craig Galvin here. The quote that I've chosen is from James Braid in The Power of the Mind Over the Body, an experimental inquiry into the nature and cause of the phenomena attributed by Baron Reichenbach and others to a new imponderable. This goes back and is dated to 1846. The quote is from the paragraph as follows. Not only may patients in the waking state be made to believe that they see various forms and colours and perceive variable sensible impressions and irresistible powers, drawing, repelling or paralysing them from a strong mental impression, changing the physical action of the organ or part usually engaged in the normal manifestation of such function, he then goes on to say, but I have moreover ascertained the same influence may be realised in respect to sound, smell, taste, heat and cold, so that suggested ideas and concentration of inward consciousness are competent with some individuals. To excite ideas not merely of hearing vague sounds but particular tunes, the smell of particular odours and to discriminate particular tastes and feel heat or cold. It culminates in this one little piece. All this, I have proved, may be realised with some excitable subjects, when they were wide awake, and when there was neither actual sound, nor odour, nor taste in the situations and substances to which they were referred, and by merely asking what tune, what colour, what animal, or what substance they perceived now. I clearly proved that ideas may thus be excited in the minds of subjects totally different from those existing in my own at the time. I absolutely love this for the reason that we don't need any ritualistic inductions or deepeners, special states or trances or depths to do any form of work or create any phenomena whatsoever. All of this is happening in the mind of the person that we are working with and when we can use our language effectively with the person in front of us to excite those images, to excite those thoughts then it shows us that even back in 1846, everybody was capable of working with clients, with patients, and with people just for fun, without any need for any induction whatsoever. Hi, this is Gary Smiler Turner. The quotes I've selected come from the classic 1943 book, Hypnotism, by G. A. Estabrooks. Here's the quotes. Hypnotism is a special form of direct or prestige suggestion, something to which we're all exposed to every day of our lives. He goes on to say, We know that neither trance nor loss of consciousness is necessary in regular hypnotism to obtain all our phenomena. Way back in 1943, Estabrooks was writing that it was pure suggestion that created the phenomena. No special states were necessary. All hypnotic phenomena were created purely through communication, the very words we use. Today, the cognitive sciences are demonstrating that Estabrooks was quite correct in his words. In particular, the field of cognitive linguistics teaches us that words create mental simulations that run throughout our entire neurology. These simulations guide both our thoughts and our bodies, and everything happens non-consciously, 
out of our awareness first. In short, no induction is necessary to create phenomena. We can bypass the usual rituals and we can go straight to the pure effect. Through the application of this knowledge, I rarely do a classic induction. I go straight to hypnotic phenomena. Whether it's hallucinating a dog running around, sticking a hand to a table, invoking emotion or even making a hand go numb. I just work through my words, creating the right mental simulation in my subject and go direct to pure effect. Esther Brooks knew this in 1943. Hopefully, this will inspire the listening hypnotists here to study and learn from the cognitive sciences, setting aside the myths and misconceptions that are rife in our profession and therefore help move our profession forward. I'm Gary Smiler-Turner and I wish you well. So, my brain is just whizzing, whirring, and about as excited as it gets when I sit down to a new episode of Game of Thrones, following those quotes. Sean Michael Andrews there, quoting Dave Ellman's All Hypnosis is Self-Hypnosis, and then beautifully giving the case for this being true and not true. And, you know, this is something I suggest all hypnotherapists learn about, understanding both sides to any debate, philosophy, or point being made. Then Glenn Gowdy, welcoming him back um, 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 in order for him to do an incredibly fine impression of me, I thought, and um, perhaps a slightly camper impression of me. Um, but the notion of imagery being multifaceted and more than just visual, a great way to educate clients. Then Deborah Sims quoting from the Kirsch and colleagues meta-analysis, which demonstrated that hypnosis typically advances CBT and that cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy therapy tended to be superior to CBT alone. And, you know, heck, that's lovely stuff as far as I'm concerned. Um, Craig Galvin then showing that even as far back as the 1840s, the founder of the hypnosis field, the man who coined the term hypnosis, James Braid, was suggesting that a lot of the ritual um, that typically or usually associated with hypnosis is not actually necessary. And then Gary Turner quoting George Estabrooks and as supported by Sciences Today indicating hypnosis does not require um, a loss of consciousness or, or, or a trance state as, as, as typically gets associated. Phew! That was a typhoon, a whirlwind of hypnosis goodness. So much to think about and enjoy and reflect upon there. It's not stopping there though. Because next up I welcome back Paul Ramsey. Lindsay Shepherd, the English sisters, Nick Ebden, and Steve Baxter. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Paul Ramsey, and my favorite hypnosis quote is from Napoleon Hill's 1937 book, Think and Grow Rich. And it goes like this. All thoughts which have been emotionalized, given feeling, and mixed with faith begin immediately to translate themselves into their physical equivalent or counterpart. Now, some people may argue that Napoleon Hill's book is not a book about hypnosis, but I've always felt that it is a great book about hypnosis. It is not, uh, as the title would suggest, just about getting rich. It's important to see deeper into the book than that. Mr. Hill spends a lot of time explaining the concept of auto-suggestion, of how to manifest ideas uh, from the thought level to the physical plane, and he explains that quite nicely in the book. And it's such a great reminder uh, as a practicing hypnotist that if we want to help our clients achieve new and better results, one of the things that's really important is to get them to connect their thinking process to their emotional process. And then when people really engage their emotions uh, with the, the concept of belief or what he calls faith, then we can really help them move toward action and move toward results. He, in the quote, almost makes it sound a little bit like it happens magically, but it's, I think he's trying to capture more this idea that when you really commit, when you connect your thinking to your emotions and they're all congruent, 
that's when things really start taking shape and results start to occur. So I, I use this quote a lot with myself to remind myself, get the clients to connect emotionally to the things they're thinking about and that they're choosing in their new and better life. So that's it for me. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And uh, thanks for listening to the Hypnosis Weekly Podcast. Congratulations, Adam. Uh, here's to 50 more. Take care. Hello, I'm Lindsay Shepherd. My favourite hypnosis quote is by my hypnosis hero, Clark L. Hull. It's from his 1933 book, Hypnosis and Suggestibility. Now, he's probably most well-known for the quote, anything that assumes hypnosis creates hypnosis. I, I love that. But there is another quote in the same book from chapter 12, Hypnosis Regarded as a Habit. And he says, Clearly, hypnotic susceptibility is greatly facilitated by practice. It is a remarkable and interesting commentary on the tardy scientific development of hypnotism that this striking and well-known phenomenon aroused the experimental curiosity of no one for at least a hundred years. Actually, part of that quote makes me quite angry, and I love it too. And this is why. Firstly, I'm sure like most hypnosis professionals, many of my clients are worried that they can't be hypnotised, that they're not susceptible. I can tell them that the evidence is there and has been for many years. Hypnosis is like any other skill. It can be learnt and we can get really, really good at it with practice. And clients really take that on board. The second reason is the reason that actually gets me quite angry. As Clark Hiles says... The study and development of hypnosis has been tardy for a hundred years. And he said that in 1933. It's 2016 now. So over 80 years later, we can still say that. We can still say that, can't we? We have a huge body of work left to us by Hull and so many others. We have the massive resource of the internet, global reach, to easily talk to and learn from so many people so we can further our field. Hull's quote, it acts as a, as a rallying call to me, certainly, and I hope to all hypnosis professionals. Get curious, get serious, experiment, develop ourselves and the field of hypnosis. It will hugely benefit our profession, our clients, and of course, our businesses. So, okay, that's a bit of a rant. <laughs> but Clark O'Hall, he's right. I really believe that he's right in this. So, with that, I'll say congratulations to Adam, both on being such a leader in our profession and getting really curious, and on the 50th Hypnosis Weekly podcast. Here's to the next 50. We're the English sisters. Congratulations, Adam, on your 50th edition of Hypnosis Weekly. We love your show and learn so much from it. Our favourite quote is from Milton Erickson, and it goes like this. Discover their patterns of happiness. Because we feel that most people aren't even really consciously aware of when and how and what makes them happy. And just, just this little quote just made us think about, you know, discovering things about our clients. Yeah, discovering that in the actual therapy session because it makes us as hypnotherapists focus on their happiness and what makes them happy. And so we just, you know, we were just thinking it was just our role was just to discover these patterns of behavior and then bring them up to surface and into their conscious awareness so that happiness becomes predominant in their lives. Because what we find that when our clients do focus on what, you know, the actual patterns of what makes them happy, their mind is just totally, completely, you know, just bathed in thinking about this and they have less time to focus on the pain or the phobia or whatever you know their their problem really no, on the discomfort that, that that's in their life at that particular time and um, sometimes you know happiness is a little bit overrated and people think that they feel happiness is just a really strong emotion and it's just when they feel really elated and joyful but we bring their 
bring into their attention that happiness is a very broad range of emotions. You can feel relaxed and you can feel happy, you can feel content, you can feel serene. There's such a different array of what happiness means. Yep, so that's our favourite quote and we look forward to hearing the favourite quotes of all your other lovely hypnotherapists and experts on the show. Thank you, Thank bye. you, bye-bye. Hello, my name is uh, Nick Ebden and my favourite quote is from uh, 1785 and it was by Armand-Marie-Jacques de Chastenay who is the Marquis of uh, Puisigur and he was uh, lecturing at the local uh, Masonic Society and he said uh, this I believe in the existence within myself of a power from this belief derives my will to exert it the entire doctrine of animal magnetism is contained in the two words, believe and want. I believe that I have the power to set into action the vital principle of my fellow man. I want to make use of it. This is all my science and all my means. Believe and want, sirs, and you will do as much as I. And I think the reason I like it is because I think he was um, overshadowed by Mesmer's contribution, but in many ways he had a better understanding and he took animal magnetism uh, and developed a somnambulistic um, induction, as it were. And I think even though we always uh, think of Mesmer, I think the words believe and want still resonate with a lot of hypnotists today in exactly what hypnosis is. So thank you. Hello, my name is Steve Baxter. My favourite quote comes from the Stoic philosopher Epictetus and goes as follows. People are not disturbed by things, but by the view they take of them. Now, I really like this quote because it introduces some ideas and opens some doors for my hypnotherapy clients. The first thing I like about it is this idea that what's disturbing us is our view of a particular problematic situation. In other words, it's something that we are doing to ourselves, triggered by that situation, rather than that something that's being done to us by that situation. And that, I think, opens the possibility of change. The second thing I like about this is that it focuses on this view of the situation that we have taken causing the problem, and perhaps hints that that view is something we've learnt to do. Of course, if you've learnt to do it, then surely you can learn to do something else. So how do we take these ideas from Epictetus and do something with them? Well, we use hypnotherapy. Hypnosis gives us a great tool for taking people to those things that previously caused them to be disturbed and have them practice doing something else, having them retrain their mind to be perhaps calm, alert, relaxed. And by practicing that within hypnosis, then they are practicing their new reality. So there we had uh, Paul Ramsey, including the Napoleon Hill quote and the notion of emotionalizing and giving faith to thoughts, you know, investing belief in them. Um, and then investing belief in thoughts um, um, is, is, is a theme that recurs in this particular podcast episode and also within the field of hypnosis a great deal. I think it's a wonderful instruction to give clients about how to respond effectively su to suggestions and really has a place here. Um, Lindsay Shepard, then referring to Clark Hull, um, referred to him showing that hypnotic susceptibility advances by practice, something which was later shown to be true as a result of the very evidence based Colton Skills uh, training program developed by Nicholas Spanos in the late 1980s. Um, and, and be assured that won't be the last time we hear from Clark Hole today, by the way. The English sisters offered up our second quote uh, from Milton Erickson in today's show, discover their patterns of happiness, a, a very solution focused approach, a very happiness focused, identifying people's processes. You know what? I have to say this. In my head, I don't call them the English sisters anymore. I refer to them as the lovely English sisters. They're always so goddamn lovely. Um, 
Nick Ebden with a very early quote from the Marquis de Pisegur. The first part of that quote, I believe that I have the power. For me, that shows and illustrates the importance of having belief and conviction in what we say to ourselves. And isn't it lovely to see that such things were being discussed back then in the 1700s? Finally, in this section, we had Steve Bacter's quote from the Stoic Epictetus. People are not disturbed by things, but by their thoughts about them. And I really loved the way Steve made this so relevant to what we do as hypnotherapists and incorporated um, um, hypnotherapy into this. And also how he made reference to such a notion showing us and leading us in a direction of being responsible for how we think. You know, um, like I said earlier, it's, it's a theme that has recurred. Um, I'm greatly within this particular episode. So as I start doing my best to digest what's been offered up so far, I now welcome back to Hypnosis Weekly, Helen Bremner, Reg Blackwood, Lucy Hyde and James Tripp. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Helen Bremner. I'm an NHS nurse and hypnotherapist, and for four years I was an NHS nurse hypnotherapist. My favourite hypnosis quote perhaps wasn't intended to be about hypnosis, but I have used it so many times in my hypnotherapy practice that I think of it as one, because it is incredibly useful in change work. It's a quote from Carl Gustav Jung from Memories, Dreams, Reflections. I am not what happened to me, I am what I choose to become. I love this because the concept within the quote sets the client free from all past depressions and problems. Clients who have come to me with low self-confidence or poor self-worth have tended to fundamentally identify with and create their identity and sense of self from their problems. They believe that they are the problem rather than the survivor of it. These thoughts become self-fulfilling as the client believes that they deserve to suffer and so the cycle of suffering continues. To realise that you are not the bad things which happen to you is in itself emancipating. To further realise that you can decide to become something entirely different and that you can be anything you want to be gives hope, inspiration and motivation to people who were previously stuck in a victim mentality. I also love the difference being highlighted linguistically between the past being in the perfect tense and I am being in the present tense with plenty of options to be able to try different identities which are better suited and more helpful to the client. I also like to subtly quote songs in my therapy, such as ones from Elbow. I'm from a long line of survivors. No one's yet commented on this habit of mine, but I like to think that if they're aware of the music subconsciously, then hearing it and knowing it is familiar in some way also helps them on their healing journey. It is also a great post-hypnotic suggestion. Of course, I could just be talking crap, but that's what you'd expect from an IBS hypnotherapist. So thank you, Adam, for inviting me to share my thoughts, and thank you for listening. Goodbye. Hello, this is Reg Blackwood. One of my favourite hypnosis quotes comes from the work of renegade hypnotist Mark Cunningham. The phrase, and each time your desire to feel this way grows stronger, is something Major Mark not only uses in his work with adventurous couples, <clears throat> but he also often uses it in drug rehab therapy in order to make mundane reality become highly desirable. Now, if that in itself is not inspirational enough for you, and it's entirely possible I've overanalyzed this, what I really love about this expression is the cerebral emotional nature of it. You're not attempting to directly affect their ability to do something, but you're affecting their desire to feel something. And I think this is a really good reminder to us hypnosis exhibitionists that by working on what is felt and imagined internally, you can outwardly manifest great results physically. But for me, there's something else here too. In just two of those words, each time your desire to feel this way grows stronger. Each time, next time, every time. It's not happening now. It might not be happening in a few minutes, 
hours, days, weeks, but when it happens and whenever it happens, this additional layer of suggestion will also take effect. I've never been a fan of the say it three times, say it three times, say it three times school of compounding suggestions, but something about this dynamic suggestion-based compounding really does it for me. In a few short leaps of analysis, when X happens, you will do Y, suddenly becomes whenever X happens, your desire to do Y grows stronger. And for television, radio, stage, or social media, Whenever I say, one, two, three, open your eyes, not only will you carry out every suggestion perfectly, but your desire to return to sleep grows stronger. So much so that you'll be ultra-focused on me and that word, so that when I do say it, each time you'll return to sleep so much more instantly and dramatically. Thanks for listening to me, Reg Blackwood, and each time you listen to this podcast, your desire to listen to more Hypnosis Weekly podcasts no doubt grows stronger. Hi Adam, it's Lucy here. Um, Thank you for asking me to uh, send you my favourite hypnosis quote. Um, In usual compliance style, um, mine is neither a quote, uh, nor is it by hypnotists. Um, What I have for you today is a slightly sardonic poem um, in which there's a hat tip to William Shakespeare and his Hamlet line of nothing's good or bad, thinking makes it so. Um, So the poem is Ode to Placebo. Friends, colleagues, placebans, spare me your tears. I come to praise placebo, not to bury it. The evil doctors do lives after them. The good is oft in part placebo, so let it be. The medical world's a stage, and placebos merely players. Each one plays a different part. This one Prozac, that one morphine. The winter of our discontent is made glorious summer by these sweet pills, and nothing is real, but thinking makes it so. Uh, the poem is signed off Bill Shakespeare, but copyright to Irving Kirsch. Gotta love that guy. Um, the line in it that I particularly love is the nothing is real, but thinking makes it so. Um, and the reason that I love that so much is simply that, you know, our beliefs and our expectations kind of bring things into reality. Um, nothing subjectively is real until we believe it, until we think about it that way. So, yeah, that's the reason that I, I love the um, poem and I quite like the sarcastic manner in which it was written too. So there you, there you have it. Um, congratulations, by the way, on your 50th episode. I absolutely love this podcast. Thanks again, Adam. Take care. Bye. Hi there, this is James Tripp, and I'm going to share with you my favorite hypnosis quote, or at least the one that comes to mind at the moment. It is actually from Richard Bandler and John Grinder, both of them, where it's ascribed to them, allegedly when they were training together back in the late 70s. They used to come on stage, and John would say to the audience, there's no such thing as hypnosis. And Richard would loom in behind him and say, everything is hypnosis. And... I've come back to this over and over and over again, and the reason I love it so much, number one, it's kind of funny. I can imagine them doing this, knowing the characters of of the pair uh, to the degree that I do, I can imagine them doing this. I can imagine it was uh, a funny routine. But aside from that, I think it says something very, very profound about hypnosis and what hypnosis is. We can get hung up on the word hypnosis rather than starting with what's actually happening and then moving towards descriptions, which I think is a more useful way to go. And when we look at what we're dealing with with hypnosis, we're dealing with uh, informal hypnosis. We're dealing with the manipulation of what are everyday uh, cognitive processes. You know, there's not some sort of special cognitive processes that come online when we do hypnosis. We are simply manipulating everyday cognitive processes. So the cognitive processes that we are manipulating during hypnosis, although we may be doing it in a specific way during formal hypnosis, are those that we as human beings are using all the time, using in quotes, to shape and create our experience of life and the world around us and all of this. So... You know, we don't live in the world as it is. We live in the world as we make it up to be. We form the data coming in through our senses. So I, I love this. And um, my, my understanding of hypnosis, the way I see it, particularly if we use the term trance, is we're in different trances all the time. You know, I can be in a, in a, a, a donut-eating trance. I can be in a socializing trance. 
I can be in a uh, feeling love for my children trance. I can be in all manner of trances, uh, all manner of narrowed reality tunnels, all manner of neurologically generated experiences. And for me, these are every bit as hypnotic as, um, as, as a hand stick or something like that. You know, it's just with a hand stick, you're going fully into the experience of the hand being stuck. Uh, if you're feeling love for your children, for example, you're going fully into the experience of feeling love for your children. And for me, I don't see them as any different whatsoever. So I love this quote. There's no such thing as hypnosis because... Really, it isn't a special thing in that sense, uh, although we're using it more strategically and more uh, consciously, and everything is hypnosis because we are constantly shaping and creating our experience from the inside out through our cognitive, psychological, neurological processes. So much stuff there. I mean, to start off with, we had Helen Bremner referring to Carl Jung's I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. So many of my clients, so many of the clients that I've worked with over the years um, um, had a moment of when they realized that or had that notion mentioned to them. Love that Jung quote from Helen. Reg Blackwood there, referencing Mark Cunningham, um, that lovely phrase, and each time your desire to feel this way gets stronger. I really enjoyed that, really enjoyed the the, the different slants um, that Reg put upon that. Um, um, in particular, where he referred to affecting the desire to do something, um, um, and, and the way in which he, he delivered that there, and the way he took that apart, um, um, actually made me feel desire for this quote, and that desire is getting stronger indeed. Lucy Hyde then regaling us with the poem An Ode to Placebo by Irving Kirsch and leaving us with that notion that nothing is real, belief makes it so. So much of use in that poem. Um, I've been out and googled it greatly. Um, Finally, we had James Tripp referencing Bandler and Grinder. There's no such thing as hypnosis and then Everything is hypnosis. Um, I had a profound moment here with this because because of James referring to this and explaining it in terms of everyday cognitive processes. This sits very well with my own leaning, my favoured socio-cognitive perspective of hypnosis that you regular listeners will be well aware of. And only James Tripp could manage to introduce Bandler and Grinder, who are not usually or necessarily associated with the socio-cognitive perspective of hypnosis, introduce them credibly into my own framework. So, so, indeed so. What about my own favourite hypnosis quote then? I think my own snippet deserves a two kazoo fanfare. So Lindsay Shepard made reference to this earlier. My own favourite hypnosis quote is from Clark Hull in his 1933 book Hypnosis and Suggestibility. And in it he states, anything that assumes hypnosis creates hypnosis. Now, my love for this particular quote is for a number of reasons. Firstly, I love the impact that such a quote has upon the hypnotist. You know, such an understanding of this quote has a profound effect upon the hypnotist. It's great advice for the hypnotist. In whatever you do, congruently express an assumption that the person you are about to hypnotize will be hypnotized. The assumption and ensuing expectation of the hypnotist or hypnotherapist will greatly assure, convince and lead the client into hypnosis. Secondly, though, on the part of the individual to be hypnotized, you know, I will teach my clients um, um, and, and, and recommend that they assume it's going to happen. Assume the outcomes will happen and, and such an outcome as being hypnotized. You know, assume that you will be hypnotized. Assume the hypnotic phenomena is going to happen. Just know it to be the truth. Nothing to concern yourself about. Don't try to make it happen um, and thus run the risk of some inhibitive or prohibitive effort error, as Emil Coué would say. Instead, be gently assured with yourself. Okay, assume it's going to happen. 
And thirdly, I love this notion because of its relative ordinariness. I tend to conceptualize hypnosis to my clients and students as a set of ordinary psychological processes that combine to form hypnosis. And one of those component parts is expectancy. I can manage some of that expectancy and create it with my own skills and explanation and psychoeducation towards the client. But most of that can be created by the client having the assumption that hypnosis is going to happen. Simply assuming can have such a profound effect upon hypnosis and hypnosis can have such a profound effect on life. And it's that simplicity and ordinariness that makes this quote a thing of beauty to me. So sadly, that is it for this week's special 50th edition. And what an edition, though. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed putting together this edition. It typifies what this podcast is about, in particular, embracing diversity, because there was such a contrast and diversity of incredibly useful material here, sourced from different directions and angles. I plan on giving this particular podcast some further listening sessions myself to really reflect and work out how to import it all into... um, into my own reference, my own work. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this special edition, uh, this episode, as much as I have. Um, I do have many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. Links to the websites of this week's uh, contributors are displayed at this week's episode of the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. If uh, something piqued your interest, you want to go and explore that particular individual, then go do so. Um, The Hypnosis Weekly podcast will be back in a fortnight's time. I'm away on holiday with my family next week. Um, And when I do return in two weeks' time, we'll return with Boston-based hypnotherapist Brian Mahoney. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions. So please do message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. Thanks again to all my friends who contributed to this week's show. And thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now.